Thank you for joining for this episode of the Techspective podcast. Uh, my guest this week is uh, Mr. Jason Street. So, Jason, welcome. Uh, hello. Thank you for having me. Um, so, la- last time you and I uh, saw each other face to face was uh, Houston Security Conference uh, 2019, I think. Okay. Um, was that when I had to run out because uh, I was going to Brazil? Maybe. Um, I just know, like, I, I like, I, I presented there. I actually presented a thing, and like, I, I'm. It, it's been a while since I've been really on the tech, you know, deep in the tech side of security. Right. My thing was more on the marketing side, and I so I had a presentation on marketing buzzwords and 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 also kind of talking about. Um, to to an extent, talking about like kind of ethics of of marketing because I, it, it 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 was fresh on my mind at the time because there was somebody who was at my company, who left and went to work for a competitor, and it just occurred to me I was like I was like that yeah it's it's kind of a weird thing I mean you know, it's a, the security industry is somewhat of a small world and when you leave there's you know pretty much only a handful of places you can go and and do and do something similar to what you were doing. And that generally means that you end up at a competitor. And and I was like, so if you talked to this person last week, they would have told you a hundred reasons why you should go with our product and our company and why the other company, you know, why why the competitor was not as good. And now it's a week later and and, and she's working there and that's all flipped. And it's like, okay, so was she lying when she was telling people that our company was better than the competitor? Or is she lying now saying the competitor is better than us? And and my general takeaway was none of it's lying. I mean, I think in marketing uh, in general, not just cybersecurity or tech marketing, but marketing in general is somewhat of a game of exaggeration or, you know, and, and, you know, it's like it's like writing a resume. You know, you 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 focus on the things you focus on the positives and exaggerate those a little and you just sort of omit the things that you don't want to talk about. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I totally can see that. It's like um, I, I think we, we talk about because uh, I did. Um, I was the spokesperson for Pony Express. It's like for a while. And I explained to them, this is like, I don't, I'm not going to sell the product. It's like, I'm not very good at selling the product. It's like, I like what I like about it. And it's like, I genuinely loved the, their, their, their community, their, the Pwn plug. I used it a lot. It's like some of their other devices, they were doing a lot of innovation, a lot of community stuff. The Pwn pad was awesome. So it was that, but I didn't never, I never got into the we're better than X or X is not as good as us for Y reasons, you know? So yeah, I'm not good at sales. <laughs> well, and actually in a somewhat similar vein, you know, I mean, I, I don't see this as much anymore. It still exists, but I, I feel like we don't, it, it's not as front and center of a topic anymore. But once upon a time, it was very big deal of windows versus mac mac versus windows and 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 especially yeah. the security side it was always well you know mac is just inherently secure mac is invulnerable you know why why are you using windows it has all the viruses and from a security perspective you know i i would always say okay well you know it's not that mac is impenetrable it's that it's not the primary target like i you know I, like people can people can break into macs just just fine um, 
but then many years after the, you know after kind of following this debate and uh, always being on the windows side i did eventually get a macbook air and i used it for like three years or so um i loved it i had no problems with it but my general takeaway was it wasn't the absolutely magical you know pinnacle of perfection of computing that i was led to believe like it still had issues they were just right. different issues <laughs> exactly yeah. you know and so you know it, it all comes down to you know preference and i've written i've written about that when it comes to ios versus android too it's like you know they're they're very similar i mean i i prefer ios but you know it's like it, I, i'm not going to i'm not going to tell you it's absolutely better it's a subjective uh you know consideration right yeah i i agree with that i i i abuse all operating systems equally uh it's one of the reasons why i love vmware so much um it's like i have a macbook pro i just got, i just recently got the macbook pro i got it while it was still in the intel so it's like it was one of the the last it was the last gen that they still did the intel chip uh, so I just recently purchased one of those, and I um, I did that because I wanted uh, I use VMware Fusion on it, so I have Windows uh, VMs, I have Linux VMs, um, I have um, uh, some Alienware laptops. It's like I have uh, some Razer laptops. I have uh, a Surface Go that I use a lot, um, and I just do a lot of that through cross VMwareing. It's like where it's like I'll, I'll uh, my VMwares are a little bit different though. I have a, a PFSense VM that has two NICs in it. It's like a, a private-only network NIC and then a NAT NIC. And then I put all my VMs on private-only, and their gateway is that internal private NIC of the PFSense. So all the traffic goes through the PFSense. Uh, so it's like I literally create a internal virtualized VLAN network uh, that all my devices will talk on. It's like, and then they go out through just that one VMware. I'm weird. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you know, I think, I think, yeah, it, it, the people, people who, and, and you, I think are uh, maybe an extreme example of it, but just people in, in, in tech and security in general, I think, uh, tend to have, you know, more unique setups than, yeah. what, um, uh, my, mine is not. Mine is not the nearly that, but it is funny. The other day, my my uh, I had my my daughter is using a Surface Pro X, which is the oh, yeah, Surface that runs on ARM. Right. And it's it, it's fine. It runs it, everything's fine. She's been using it for months. Not a problem. But she was previously using a regular Surface Pro, and then the other day she went to play Minecraft, and come to find out. Minecraft, Java-based Minecraft doesn't work on a Surface Pro X. Ouch. And uh, and so I said, okay, well, here's your options. You know, I can, I can, I, I'm, I'm like, I can go to my my bag of computers. And she's like, wait, you have a you have a bag of computers? I'm like, yeah, I've, just got, <laughs> I've got a variety of laptops to choose from. I've got, you know, various uh, Surface Pros and Surface laptops. And I mean, I've got the whole Surface line here uh, sitting in my office. Um, I said, so one, I can just replace it and give you one that, that will run Minecraft Two, I can just give you back your surface pro that you were using before. And you can just use it purely for Minecraft, uh, you know, or, or three, you can, you know, you, uh, there, there was a third option, which was there is a like windows 10 app version of Minecraft that will work, you know? So like, right. but she didn't like that one. She wants the job. <laughs> one, so, 
Um, but anyway, I just she she just thought it was funny that I was like, well, sure, let's just go to my uh, yeah. collection of computers. Which one do you want? I I have one of those as well. It's like and one of my favorite things, uh, especially when trying to uh, do any kind of organization with hackers. It's like I always say, say, hey, we're hackers. We can make this more complicated. It's like <laughs> it's it's one of our gifts. <laughs> well. You know, and, and let's let's talk about the about about hacker, uh, okay. and, and let's talk about the the perception. Uh, you know, and, oh lordy, yeah. And, and the thing is, that's a really old old. It's a really 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 old debate. I mean, I'm not sure I could even find this anymore. But back in like 2003 or four, when I was writing on Internet Network Security for About.com, the 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 debate. Would, was going on way back then about you yep. know well what's a hacker you know is a, is a hacker a good thing or a bad thing um you know and is a hacker by definition a criminal and it's like well no you know people people just like to tinker with stuff people like to see how things work and and, and whatever my 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 take on it even back then though was sort of i i agree with i, I agree with this in principle i agree in principle that a hacker is a good thing and that and that there's a, there's there's the, the hacker mentality is awesome and it doesn't that doesn't mean you're a cyber criminal. However, I felt like even in 2004, the ship had sailed sort of in terms of like what that means to the public, what that means in the media and that and that we can. We can object every time that it comes up in the in the in a, in a newspaper article or a magazine article or whatever. We can object every time, but it's not going to change the reality that the word has been co-opted. Right. I, I like I'm I'm an optimist. Unfortunately, it's like uh, I'm a I'm a defeatist optimist. It's like, you know, I know I'm going to be disappointed, but I'm still an optimist anyway. Uh, it's like but I will tell you the uh, I did a talk at DEF CON 22 uh, that you can see on YouTube around the world in 80 cons, which is one of my best talks ever I ever did, I think, which just literally tackled this subject on what it means to be a hacker. I'm also an advocate for uh, hack, not crime. Uh, they have a Twitter and they have a, a, a Discord. They have a, a website on all that. And I also created a site called iRonin, um, ir0nin.com, that talks about what it is to be a hacker. Um, but the, the, the way that I look at it, it's like I think that it's not dead because there is a gradual. The register um, uh, news site has, has said that they're, uh, I've seen them shifting and not calling it. Uh, they're calling it cyber criminals. Uh, you see a lot of TVs now, uh, shows where the hacker is the MacGuffin. Uh, the hacker is the the person that solves the 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 one key piece of information that helps things move along. Uh, and you're seeing them more and more positive. You know, NCIS, it's like has Abby, uh, Criminal Minds had had their hacker. Uh, so it's like so there, there's there's these shows that are starting to show hackers in a more positive light. Uh, and I, in every interview that I always do uh, in the news when it comes up and what I uh, especially try to bring home in the National Geographic uh, episode was to explain, um, I can rob you with a gun. Okay. You can't automatically assume that I'm a gunsmith, that I know how to create a gun. You can't automatically assume that I'm an NRA member. You can't automatically assume that I'm a second rights amendment activist. I'm a criminal who has found a tool that makes it easier for me to commit crime. It's like a computer is a very, very easy tool to commit crime. These criminals 
are going online. They're looking at YouTube videos. They're getting in forums. They're downloading prepackaged malware, prepackaged software uh, to commit crimes with, and then they're sending it out. They're following some of these crime uh, kits actually have support lines for the criminals to call in to get support on the, the crime program that they have. That's not, how can we call them a hacker? They have no understanding of what they're doing. It's just like having a gun. It's like they don't understand how to put how much uh, gunpowder goes in a bullet. They just know how to shoot it. Right. And so um, I try to explain to people that. And when we go to with the black hat bank, uh, the black hat hacker and the white hat hacker, I make it very simple. There are no hats. You're a hacker or you're a criminal. If I go to a bank that a employee had just gotten uh, arrested for embezzlement, I don't go to my 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 bank the next day and say. Uh, excuse me, I want to get a business loan here, but are you a black hat banker or a white hat banker? Because I noticed that one of your bankers just went to jail and I don't want to deal with a black hat banker. I'd rather have a white hat banker. Right. Or, or, or it's like you go to a doctor and in the hospital, another doctor had gotten arrested for criminal malpractice. Do you go to your doctor now and say, are you a white hat doctor or a black hat doctor? Because I only want a white hat doctor working on me. I mean, it sounds absurd. No, it, it just does. As absurd, it, it, just as absurd when you're talking about white hat hacker, black hat hacker. It's a very, it's a very valid point. Um, and I would say that uh, from a from a media perspective, I, I agree that I, I I have seen, I see it as cyber criminals primarily now. However, right. the verb is still hacked. It's still right. cyber criminals hacked. Yes, and, because they are using the tools that a hacker has created. It's like they're they're using the tools that hackers may have created, or they're using tools uh, based off of vulnerabilities or information that hackers may have discovered. Hackers have never, ever in the history of computers, ever created a vulnerability. It's like unless it was in their own program. What they've done is they discovered the vulnerability that was already existing in the program. They discovered it. And most of the re times, the reason why people know about it is because it was a hacker who reported that discovery and that vulnerability so it could be patched. So Dan Kaminsky, it's like one of the most uh, premier examples of what it means to be a hacker in its truest sense, discovered a flaw in DNS that would have taken and destroyed the internet. It's like... What did he do with it? What did he do with that kind of power? It's like he got all the organizations, all the people that deal with the internet. It's like, and he got them together privately and he fixed the problem before it was ever public. It's like, that's what a hacker does. Yeah, that's very uh, valid point. And, you know, the, I know one of the other elements of uh, frustration when it comes to Cybercrime is on the uh, the image front, like you know. So when I, I I publish blog posts, you know, all day every day on my site yeah. and on other sites, and I go out and I say, well, I, you know, I've, I've I've written this article. It's about this uh, you know cybercrime that happened. Let me go find an appropriate image for this for this thing. Yeah. And nine out of ten images are somebody in a hoodie in a dark room <laughs> typing code. Yeah. And yeah. I know that. I know that every time uh, every time someone publishes a picture of a, a of a hacker as, or a cyber criminal as a quote unquote hacker in a hoodie, 
uh, it takes a year off of Chris Roberts' life. Yeah, <laughs> Side Dragon. Yeah, I, I, I actually, I tell you right now, I actually, I think it was uh, the year of DefCon twenty-seven or twenty-six. I spent the whole year going to every con, and I was dressed up in custom, uh, uh, custom-made, hand-tailored uh, shirts, uh, dress shirts uh with uh french cuffs it's like a so i had cuff links and it, the reason why was because i was trying to show it's like this is this makes me more dangerous because i'm not fitting your preconception of what a technical person or a hacker is and that puts you at a disadvantage it's like because you don't assume because we make so many visual cues like oh that's what that person is humans like things to be in little boxes the problem is hackers have a very hard time going into boxes it's like you know so that's one of our biggest problems and also it's like when i was mentioning computers and we mentioned computers this whole time and that is one of the biggest flaws uh, one of the biggest fallacies uh of hacking i know a lot of good hackers that hardly work with computers because hacking is not about just being on a computer. Da Vinci was a hacker. Leonardo Da Vinci was one of the most uber hackers in the world. He created an armored car. He created an airplane. Being powered by a fly was able to actually fly. He created scuba gear. It's like this was in the 1800s. It's like he was an uber hacker. Turing, Ada Lovelace, first computer programmer before there were computers. Ultimate hacker, um, Hedy Lamar, actress, creating Bluetooth and helping with Wi-Fi and creating all these technologies. So there's all these people that that created and, and did things that were hacking related, and it wasn't necessarily about computers. It's a mentality and it's a way to be curious and passionate about discovery. That's what hacking is. Well, I I, I don't disagree. Uh, you know, it's just that that. You know, like I said, it, it does it does continue to be a conversation that needs to be had. Uh, yes, and and I guess to your to your point of being uh, optimistic, I, I mean, I I will admit that there's there's progress that has been made, um, yes. but but you know the fact that it's 15 years later you know, and we're still having the conversation. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, I, I'll I'll leave it with this one statement. It's like I put a really nice, cool, lazy boy. Uh, on top of that hill, it's nice and comfy. It's got a, a coaster. Uh, that's a good hill that I'm going to die on. It's like I've gotten real comfortable on that hill. So, uh, yeah, I don't mind dying on that one. All right. Um, so we talked a little bit about you know, before we uh, kind of kick things off. Um, and yeah, you, you had said that you know one of the things that you're you're kind of focused on and 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 passionate about right now is is security awareness. So like, tell, tell me about, you know, what, what's your, what's your take on that as it stands right now? Um, we've got a lot of work to do. Um, I started off uh, over 20 years ago in information security. My first job was over 20 years uh, in 2000 uh, in information security, uh, dealing at an internet uh, only bank. And I was doing the blue team. I started off on defensive network security administrator. Um, I got into the point where I was building out the defenses. I was working on the technology. I never factored in people except for as a liability. I did start trying to do some security awareness a little bit there, 
but not very much. I, I'll be honest with you. I was not very good at it uh, then. I was just starting out. And then I started more and more getting into um, the uh, when I was doing the blue team. It's like around 2003. Uh, my eyes were open. Uh, 2004, more more like let's more honestly, it's like 2004. Uh, first DEFCON, I started understanding the other side of it. It's like the the finding the vulnerability side of it. And about 2010, I got into the red teaming the 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 offensive side of security and fully with the intent to make my defenses better. I went in not trying to break stuff, but was like trying to figure out, okay, I built all these defenses for the last, you know, almost 10 years for my, uh, the bank that I worked for. Let's try to tear it apart and see what I missed. Let's see what I, what I didn't do right. Uh, and that's when I realized that's why they were so important, that both were so important to have. And then uh, around 2010 as well, I started getting into uh, social engineering and, and and compromising the human. And it was about 2015 when I realized it's really easy to break the stuff. And I wasn't doing really good credit. To, I was not doing good. I was not providing a great service to my clients because I was just showing them where the flaws were, but I wasn't really helping the people that I'd compromised. And that's when I had that epiphany and I started realizing I'm not going to red team anymore. I'm not going to be the Uber elite ninja hacker guy. I'm going to go in on usually a three-day engagement. I'm going to spend the first two days being the worst possible thing in the worst possible way uh, that I can. And then on that last day, I'm going to get caught and I'm going to train them and I'm going to give them that win and I'm going to explain to them why they did good. I'm going to give them something positive to come from it. Uh, on the first two days, every time I've left a facility, I would wait for about two minutes and then I would come back in with a representative of the company and I would explain to them, hey, this is what just happened. I was a bad guy. This is why it was a problem. This is what you can learn from it. This is not going to get you in trouble. This is not going to get your name on a report. This is purely for uh, educational purposes. So, you know, and I would be, that's part of social engineering as well, because I was trying to make sure I was social engineering the lesson so they would not take it negatively and see it constructively. It's like, it took just as much effort as breaking into the building as patching that trust that I had just broken. It's like before I left. And so, and that's what I've started the whole progression. So that's the reason why I think security awareness is so important because instead of trying to find more technology to protect humans, we need to get more humans better trained on how to protect the technology. Uh, the, the, the whole thing you were talking about, about social engineering and stuff, it reminded me of, and I don't remember the exact details, but there, there was a story, you know, 10 plus years ago of the guy who just went into an office building and sat at a desk and started working. And he was and he was writing about it, you know, but he he didn't work for the company. He right. just went in and, and t sat at a desk and then and then asked somebody, hey, who do I call about getting a, a an Internet connection and who do I call about getting a phone? And people just helped him. And he got I remember that. And and. 
And it was like, I think, I think it was after a few months of these like kind of serial articles about this experience that somebody finally caught on was like, wait a minute, that sounds like our, that sounds like our company. He's describing our building. Um, and, and, you know, for a while when I was, when I was not on the journalist and, and marketing side, when I was actually working in security, I worked at EDS and, and I, I worked primarily, uh, for a lot of that time with uh, general motors as my, as my customer. And I'd go to a General Motors facility and, you know, they had pretty, you know, what, what seemed like pretty, pretty decent security. You know, you, you had to have a badge to get in. You had to like stop at the front desk. And, and if you didn't have a badge and security would, you know, give you a temporary badge or, or escort you in or whatever. But it didn't take me long to figure out how easy it would be to just shoulder surf in. I mean, it would just, exactly. Yeah, I mean, you just walk in, just pretend like you know what you're doing and just walk in. And once you're in. It would be real easy to do that exact same scenario of just sit at a desk and just, at, you know, like you could literally just you could probably do that for you know months before anyone would figure out that you're not supposed to be there. I totally agree. Uh, the worst thing for a company uh, that is worse than no security is that false sense of security. I have a 100 percent success rate breaking into every facility that I have tried. And the one thing that has totally have they have all in common is that once I breached that initial barrier, that initial perimeter, everybody assumed I belonged. Everybody assumed because they were in a safe environment, they knew that they had to go through a batch check. They, that's the reason why the security theater at the TSA is so uh, works so well. It's people like, oh, this is really inconvenient. I have to take my shoes off. I have to go through the naked body scanner. It's like I have to do all these things. It must be secure to fly. Oh, my gosh. I could tell you stories of the things that I've gotten through or that I've done. But I'm not going to because that's all hypothetical because uh, I like flying. Uh, but it's uh, but the whole point is, is that it's just that false sense of security. It's like the more we try to do that, as soon as that person breaches that first perimeter, they usually have free reign. I broke into a facility right across the street from Ground Zero in the financial center. There were uh, looks like SWAT guys with uh, machine guns and uh, canine units walking through the, the concourse areas. Uh, there were some federal buildings there. Uh, uh, that adjoined to it. I had to get into the, on the second floor, there was the lobby, elevator lobby that you had to go through a metal detector and x-ray and you had to go through a desk, which they would try to, uh, they would have to vet you for one of the offices upstairs. It's like to get up and say, so you have to provide ID and everything else like that. I got through all that and I totally destroyed that company because of the fact that everybody just assumed that I had, because it was so hard to get up to that floor into, into that office, I must have been uh, allowed to be there. And I was wearing a Your Company's Computer Guy t-shirt or uh, work shirt. Well, when uh, after I after I when I first moved to Texas, uh, I, I uh, came here for a, a role with uh, BTINS, and I did a I did a gig with. Um, Pepsi Frito Lay up in Plano, and there's yay Pepsi, yeah, and their security was was similar in that you'd go in, you're in a like a sealed, you know, uh, foyer. You know, you can't you can't get into the building unless somebody like buzzes you in or or whatever. So you got to go to the front desk, and I, I'd go up there and I'd say, 
hi, I'm Tony Bradley. I'm here for XYZ. And they're like, all right, well, who, who, who's your liaison or who are you supposed to be working with? And I'd say, well, you know, so-and-so. And they'd say, okay, cool. And they'd print me off a little sticker temporary badge and just buzz me in. And <laughs> that was it. I was, like, I was like, okay, well, now I'm just in the building. Like, you know, they, they don't know where I went after that. Yeah, it, it's it, it's amazing what what they what people will assume they're supposed to be there. It's like I've gotten in before where I've literally just gone to Instagram, saw someone who had uh, for the company I was targeting that they had published their employee badge on Instagram. And if you want to understand what how much work we still have to do in security awareness training, uh, go on to Instagram and do a search for a hashtag new job or hashtag new badge and see all the user ID badges. And then uh, someone I knew had a uh, badge printing machine. They just printed out uh, a facsimile of that. And I was able to walk in with no questions at all. And the badge did not work. It just appeared. It was just, just it was just the regular badge. Right. I mean, right. So in that case, like you still have to kind of shoulder surf somebody, but nobody's going to question you because you've got a badge visible. I, I walked in with a cell phone. It's like it was an open office. And I just walked in with like a cell phone, like I was, you know, supposed to be there. It's like uh, if I had a, I have a Proxmart, I have a Boss cloner. It's like I could still have probably cloned an ID badge, uh, but it was not necessary. It's, it's funny. All, all, all that stuff reminds me too of this. I mean, I, I, I grew grew up in the '80s, and you know, so my favorite movies in the '80s were things like Beverly Hills Cop and Fletch. Yeah. And those were all. It's all the same kind of thing. Like Fletch, yeah. Fletch and Axel Foley were just phenomenal social engineers. Exactly. Like, literally, all they did was go from place to place, act like they knew what they were doing, <laughs> invent a persona. And just convince people to give them things, you know, based on that. The the whole thing, what I tell people, it's like, because you see a lot of people that like to grandstand uh, in our industry about how late they are, how well they're able to do something. And they like to be all uh, very, you know, to test around field aggression of like, you know, I'm red team. It's like, I've got this and I'm like the offensive guy. And I'm like, no, it's like, uh, you know, you hear APT, you know, it's like, oh, APT, it's like we're advanced persistent threats, which that's not what APT stands for. APT does not stand for advanced persistent threat. Uh, CEOs and other companies and governments want you to think that's what it stands for. Uh, APT stands for adequate phishing technique because 99% of all the compromises are coming from an adequate phishing technique. Uh, but I don't do that. I do bad. I just tell people I'm bad, basic, adorable destruction. I just, the bare basics. This stuff is actually so easy, I can do it. It's like, and I'm not, I don't use a lot of advanced techniques. I don't do you NML, MLN, whatever that stuff is. It's like, I don't do facial experience. I just go in and it's like, and I just have that confidence and I just act like I'm supposed to go in there. And people say, and people like to counteract that with like, well, Jason, it's like, of course you're confident. You know you're not going to get arrested. And I'm like, are you serious? Do you understand how stupid criminals are? Do you think criminals are committing crimes because they think they're getting arrested? They all think they're going to get away with it. It's right. like they're all overly confident. They obviously have very poor decision-making skills or they wouldn't be committing crime. Right. Well, and to go back to, again with the Beverly Hills Cop and Fletch, it's like it's it's – the confident the confidence is all you really need exactly 
I mean, there's a reason it's called a confidence game. <laughs> you yep. know, the reason they're called con men is like that's the whole that's the whole game right there is just having confidence and instilling confidence. I agree. Um, so let's go back to the tech side a little bit. You know, like one of the things okay. I see, um, you know, with when it comes to fishing uh, and so, you know, social engineering on, on, on a technical scale, um, you know, we've we've said forever, you know, as long as I've been involved with cyber, with cybersecurity at all, uh, don't click on, uh, don't open file attachments from people you don't know. Don't click on, you know, links and emails from, you know, that that you're not aware of. You know, what what what's on the other end? Yada yada yada, and that just doesn't a it doesn't seem to be working, but b it's also just illogical. Like yeah. whole point, uh, like. Most people's job literally is to open file attachments on emails and click on links. <laughs> like that's well, what that's what people do for a living. I, I totally agree with that up to a point. I think one of our biggest failings that our industry has done to the user is we have ingrained in users so much of the the concept of phishing as being the 419 scam. The the misspellings, the bad English, the off words, the off, and we keep using time after time after time as those are the examples. It's like, and that is the reason why fishing to this point has gotten so successful. It takes me less than an hour, less than an hour to come up with a successful phishing technique. People have all this information that they're giving out on social media, LinkedIn, Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Snapchat, you know, TikTok, whatever. There's so many different avenues that I can get pertinent information to mimic a coworker to send you something that is relevant to you. It's like to make you click on that link. What we need to do is stop getting people to say, don't click on a link and to start thinking. Would they have sent me this link? Was I supposed to receive an attachment from them? My job is to accept attachments from certain people all the time. But my CEO reaching out out of band to tell me that they need a wire transfer or they need to buy iTunes gift cards for a client, which is an actual email that was successful on someone. It's like uh, that I'm familiar with. We, we don't train for that. It's like, so what we need to do is just start giving, you don't give a delivery driver on their first day at the job, the keys to the company van and tell them, go have fun. It's like, make sure you do your, all your deliveries. There is training. You show them what kind of security devices you have in the vehicle, that they have to wear a seatbelt, that they have to do all, all these certain things and they have to abide by the laws. They have to abide by the, the company policy. All these things are done before they're allowed to go drive a $50,000 vehicle. But we give our users computers that have access to millions of dollars. The target breach was over $300 million lost. $300 million lost on that target breach. And that was because of one email from a company that they were a partner with. So we have to start teaching our customers and our, our, cli and our clients are our customers that, hey, Critical thinking. Were you expecting this email? Does this seem like something that this person normally would send? And if not, call them on the phone. Reach out 
out of band and say, did you send me this link? It takes an extra three minute step or less. And it's like, and it will uh, possibly could save your company millions. So I, I agree with all of that. I, however, also would add that operating system vendors, application developers, cybersecurity companies, you know, all of those things need to do a better job of just recognizing and stopping attacks. It, like, I, I, I don't I don't want to put so much burden on on the user. Um, you know, like right. you, you look at last year, you know, you know, last March. COVID hits, everybody goes into to lockdown. And initially the the message from most companies was, hey, there's this virus that's spreading uh, out of an abundance of caution. Uh, we want everyone to work from home um, for the next uh, two weeks. And uh, we, uh, we'll update you uh, after that. And, like, I don't I don't know of anyone who went into it with more than like a two or three week mindset. Nobody was thinking Correct. they would be on lockdown for a year. Um, so that created an opportunity for, for attackers because now all I have to do is create an email that looks plausibly like it came from HR that says, Hey, here's our, you know, here's our, our, you know, going back to the office policy or, you know, you know, right. you know, totally agreeable. And, and in that situation, given, given the sort of anxiety of the whole thing of, of dealing with a pandemic and, and trying to work from home while your kids are trying to, you know, do virtual school in the next room and like all of the stress and anxiety of the entire situation. It's, it's too much to then also add on to the user and say, Oh, I also need you to really scrutinize when you get an email from HR that says what the new policy is <laughs> Well, and, and pick up the phone and call HR and ask them if that's legit. Well, the good thing is, uh, first of all, let me start off with I disagree. <laughs> it's like, so the reason why I disagree, I, I think that you are correct that this was an unusual, this whole dumpster fire that has been the last year or so uh, has definitely put in some unusual situations. But I think what we could have used this more as an opportunity to better educate our users, because I'm one of those people that, we don't give our employees enough credit. It's like for one thing. And also the other thing is why are we acting like security is an afterthought? Like security is an extra task that we're asking them to do. No, from day one, from the mailroom to the CEO, Every person's job responsibilities for them to get a paycheck and for them to, to better feed themselves and their family and their, their offspring is like is required on them following company policies and their job responsibilities as they conduct their job. It's like if you're in HR, your job is to do these certain things. And also your responsibility is to do it securely. If you're in an auto part plant, your job is to make uh, certain auto parts, but that's not to say that you're not supposed to do that securely, that you're not supposed to do that properly and safely. It's like you all have responsibilities to create a safe working environment. That is the same thing that we're asking them to do 
except for do it online and do it with and because it's an intangible and because it's happening in the cyber world and it doesn't seem real because I tell people that work at banks, I've robbed a lot of banks and I explain to people that big shiny vault thing that's in the lobby means nothing to me. That is show. It's like, I'm not going to rob you behind your counter and grab, you know, maybe a hundred thousand if I'm lucky and not get a shotgun blast to the chest from a, a, P, a police officer that shows up because someone tripped aside on an alarm. I go in with the USB drive. I go in and go into the network and I can rob millions because every single computer terminal is a door to the vault. So we need to just start a teaching from day one that their responsibilities for their job are this, 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 and this, and security is one of those steps. Everybody knows what their job responsibilities are. Everybody has job responsibilities. And why aren't we just saying this is part of that job responsibility? But we're trying to make it seem, and in our industry, we've made it for so long seem like security is an afterthought, like security is something else you're supposed to be doing. No. Security is one of your main job requirements with everything else that you're doing because people will do what is required of them to keep their job. It's not an extra task. It's not like an extra burden for them. It's like it's just being treated that way by us. That's one of their job responsibilities that will have no problem doing to do their job. Okay. I mean, I, I mean, I, I can see that, uh, you know, and I mean, kind of going back to the, the physical security side, I mean, you know, everyone is told if you see somebody walking around that you don't recognize and they're not wearing a badge, you should challenge them or, you right. know, and, and so, so we do convey that, 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 you know, philosophy or burden, depending on how you want sure. to put it to employees of, Hey, you are also responsible for the physical security of you know, the workplace and making sure that strangers aren't running around, uh, you know, un, un, unmonitored. Um, right. I, so I believe that we not a huge leap to say, oh, and also you're also responsible for making sure there aren't strangers running around unmonitored in our network. Exactly. And I believe in gamification. Uh, so in other words, they know what their job responsibilities are, but that doesn't mean we can't incentivize it uh, for them to make it more interesting. Uh, I tell people in mostly every uh, every class I've done, most in a lot of different talks that I've done, I've always said, create a lottery. Say that you're going, your company as a company is going to spend two thousand, one thousand every quarter, every three months, so four thousand a year. They're going to spend a thousand dollars at the end of the quarter for a drawing, so the price never changes. But to get an employee to be eligible to be in that drawing, they have to have done something security related. They had to have told a um, if you told someone not to piggyback you and not to, to to come in after you or shoulder surf, and it was detected or noticed, it's like you get ten entries. If you report a credible phishing attempt, it's like you get ten entries. If you report a phishing attempt that turned out to be spam or something like that, you get one entry. Um, if you ask someone to see their badge because they didn't have their badge, that's five points. It's like five entries. So they all have all these chances. So more and more people have more chances the more you do security conscious related things that you should be doing anyway. 
And you know what's going to happen? People are going to be more security conscious, not because they care about our data all of a sudden. No, because we've shown that there's something in it for them. It's like something extra. It's like, and that's how you make it um, more incentivized and you make it less of an afterthought and just, you know, just reinforcing the good behavior they should already be doing. Um, okay. Um, I can see that. And, and, and I, I was going to say that, you know, I'm, you know, I, I have managed, uh, like social media and, and employee advocacy on social media at, at uh, a couple different companies. And we always try to gamify that as well. And, you know, right. just look, you know, should you, should you want to follow our, our, our Twitter account and our, you know, corporate Facebook page and, uh, and, and do what you can to, uh, amplify that. Sure. Um, but you know, people don't, right. <laughs> Unless you give them a reason. So if you, if you tell them that there's, you know, maybe, a you know, a, an Amazon gift card or a free pizza or something at the end of the tunnel, then, uh, they're, they're, they're more likely. Uh, and the thing is when it comes to things like that, you don't have to, you, you know, you don't have to give away a, 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 a MacBook pro, you know, right. And, um, I, there's a book I read many, many, many years ago, 25, 30 years ago, uh, as, um, all you can do is all you can do by, uh, Art Williams. And, you know, in, in it, he talks about, you know, he, he gave away t-shirts and someone, someone at the company was like, well, nobody's going to, nobody's going to do anything. Nobody cares. Like uh, nobody's going to go out of their way to do something so they can get a t a free t-shirt. And he's like, yeah, they will. <laughs> Yeah, it's like it's 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 the winning of the thing. It, it doesn't really right. matter what the thing is. It's the recognition. It's like a lot of that. It's like and to have like security newsletters where you show people, you showcase people. It's like even the ones that didn't win the lottery, you showcase them. Uh, the runners up. It's like that recognition sometimes is enough. Um, we have. Uh, Let's see. We're coming up on June, so July, August. It's only it's only a couple months till uh, Black Hat. Oh. After uh, you know, year and a half of lockdown and and all events and travel and such being canceled, uh, that that seems to be the uh, inaugural event of the kind of the reopening of of security events. Um, I am, uh, 99% sure, uh, I will be physically present in Las Vegas and, uh, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, uh, are you, are you planning to be at, you know, at, at Black Hat in Las Vegas or are you doing, uh, doing Black Hat virtually? Dude, I am vaxxed, masked and ready to hack. It's like, uh, so yes, uh, I cannot wait. I've already had three, uh, conferences uh, cancel, uh, in the last few months where I might've been in person. Uh, and so, yes, I'm ready to go. Uh, I got my vaccine. My second dose was like at the end of March. Uh, so I, I've, uh, I've had, uh, both my, uh, vaccine shots, uh, already. And I am more than one. And I still wear, and, and for the record, I still wear two masks out in public. It's like, just because I'm paranoid, uh, and I don't want to be, uh, you know, seen as stupid uh so uh i still wear that even vaccinated but um i am totally 100 percent going to be in vegas um i've got a lot of hacker fam that are going to be there uh and i told i told uh, i was talking to um 
some of the the organizers of DEFCON and we were having a, a organizer conference th call thing and I was telling them I said look it's like it doesn't matter if DEFCON happens there are going to be a lot of hackers in Vegas if we have to just rent out the Alexis Park it's like and have our little fan meet up there too because most of the hackers that I know of like in my media circle we we all believe in science we're all getting vaccinated we're all getting prepared as soon as possible it's like, uh, and we are, we take cautious because, you know, we, we know about our security. We take that seriously as well. Uh, and so, yeah, it's like, we're definitely going to be there. It's like, uh, we're going to meet up because we are also missing that element of being able to see and just like hang out. I did something last year uh, with Grifter and um, I did it with uh, uh, Dark Matter, uh, Psydef. Uh, Adam915, uh, the uh, Casey uh, uh, Stumper. Uh, it's like I've done it with a lot, uh, a lot of just a small group of us. I think it was only like six or seven of us, and we met in New Mexico. Uh, and it's like just because the white, uh, white sands, it's like because we just had to meet up and have to see some hackers together, you know, and just see part of our fam. And so we were all doing social distancing. We're all being quarantined. We quarantined before, we quarantined after. Uh, we saved a life while we were out. It's like uh, in a car accident. So it's like the cab was on fire. It was pretty cool. Uh, so yeah, we, we had that. And so this is just another extension of that. It's just now everybody's going to be more involved. Uh, so yeah, I think there might be some hiccups with it, but uh, DEF CON is taking this so seriously. Uh, more serious than a lot of people give them credit for. Uh, I mean, more serious than a lot of the, the hotel and entertainment industry right now and the airlines. It's like they're taking it very seriously. It's like, but we need this as a community, as uh, as an industry would say, we need that connection. Right. Um, so um, I'm definitely going to be there. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are really looking forward to it. Uh, you know, one of the things I, I, I have a feeling, and you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. I have a feeling that one for the for the vendors who are there uh you know present at at black hat that one of the go-to swags is going to end up being masks like that's going to be the oh, thing yeah. here. It's like i'm going to give you a mask and it's like you know what that's cool that's fine but make it a quality mask you know like we, have, we you know we have enough of yes. that shirts like don't give me your <clears throat> shit t-shirt you know, yeah, like, yeah. If you're going to give someone a t-shirt give them a t-shirt they want to wear right know, it's comfortable it's quality but if you're 95 or bust buddy <laughs> Um, you know, and, and yeah, with the masks, it's like, okay, you know, like I have no problem wearing your, your, your swag mask and, and, you know, showing off your, your logo and such, as long as it's a decent quality mask and it's not just a piece of fabric with your logo on it. Yeah. I, I there's been a lot of people talking about, uh, I want so bad for DEF CON, uh, to have their badge that you have to display while you're in the conference to be an electronic N95 filtered uh, mask <laughs> <laughs> that's got LEDs that you can program and it's got maybe a Wi-Fi chip or something, Adreno in it. It's really? like, yeah. Yeah, like even even for Black Hat, be like, instead of having a badge, uh, instead of having a lanyard with a badge hanging on your chest, be like, you must have this mask on to enter. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, I, I would love that. I'm, I'm hoping to teach my class at Black Hat. It's like, even though it's going to be online virtually, it's like I told them, it's like I want to be there so I don't have to travel right after my uh, second day of the class uh, straight to uh, Black Hat. It's like for the briefings. It's like I want to, I'm probably going to be in Vegas probably that Friday before Black Hat 
training starts. Uh, so I'm going to be there for over a week uh, in Vegas. And yeah, I can't wait. It's like, I'm very excited. It's like uh, not being able to try. This is the longest I've gone out, uh, not going out of the country in over a decade. Um, my last trip was from Finland in uh, February 19th, 2020 was when I got off the plane. And I have not been out of the country since then and i've only been to new york once and that was just like a week or two ago um and you yeah chose, it's been crazy and and you, you you chose the wrong state to be on lockdown into <laughs> oh i'm telling you it's like <laughs> you and i are you and i are both in texas and it's like this is just this is not i mean texas is one of a handful of states that you don't want to be on lockdown in but uh, this is this is not the one yeah, well, th that's mainly because people don't acknowledge the fact that there should have been a lockdown. It's like, uh, it's like we, we yeah, it, it is, it's been very frustrating. 2020 uh, was very trying, especially living in Texas, because people, uh, a lot of people didn't wear masks. It's like you had a lot of anti-maskers. You had a lot of people who uh, denied what was going on, even as the body count kept rising. And uh, that's one of the things that upset me the most. Um, it was not, I didn't wear a mask for me. Uh, the mask was not going to protect me uh, from right. getting the virus, possibly. It was to help protect everyone around me. That's and, something I don't think, I, I, think yeah. that, I think that the people who, you know, are on the other side, the people who don't believe in science, the people who think COVID was a hoax, the people who think masks don't work or whatever, never understood that I'm not wearing it to protect me. Because there was always this whole thing of, you know, oh, well, if you're afraid of getting the virus, just stay home. I'm like, I'm not wearing it because I'm afraid of getting the virus. I'm wearing it so I don't give you the virus. Yeah, it, it, it's it, it's very frustrating. It's like I was very, um, 2020 saw a much more hostile 20-year-old uh, Jason show up. Uh, when I was in my early twenties and like late teens, I was not a particularly the greatest person in the world. And, uh, I was very confrontational back there, uh, gotten a lot of physical, uh, altercations, uh, when I was younger. And I literally, I was just like, I was always on, cause I saw everybody as the threat. Um, it's like, and, and I, it took me a while to process it too. It's like, was that the reason why was because any person that wasn't wearing a mask was an actual personal representation of a physical threat to me. And usually I dealt with that a lot more violently. <laughs> it's like, but I couldn't just do that in these situations. I would call them out. I, I'd gotten threatened to get shot. I had gotten someone uh, threatened to uh, fight me. Uh, I had a lot of physical altercations uh, that, not physical, but uh, uh, confrontations with people that were not wearing a mask while I was wearing a mask. And I told them that their policy was to wear a mask. They need to put a mask on. And I was okay with that. Now that we're, we, it swung though. And I'm sort of, it's sort of cool now uh, when I'm wearing the mask. Cause now when I wear the mask and I'm dealing with some person who's obviously not vaccinated, but they're not wearing a mask because they, they think they're being funny and they're tricking the system. They get, they make fun of me or get mad at me or something like that. And I'm like, I'm cool with that because you know what? I hope me wearing this mask pisses you off. You're going to be dead soon. Anybody that wants the vaccine can get the vaccine. It is about time that mm -hmm. the people who are actually perpetrating it and actually allowing it to, to spread to be the ones that start suffering. All of 2020, people 
a lot of stupid people died, but they took a lot of innocent people with them. It's like, and now we're going to get more and more of just the stupid people dying. And I'm okay with that. I'm, I'm, I am okay with that as well. And, and, and actually, so when, when, you know, a week or two ago when, uh, you know, Abbott, you know, not, not only, not only removed the mask mandate, but then prohibited, uh, you know, state uh, counties and, and cities from yeah. using any mask mandate. Um, you know, my initial reaction is like, well, what the fuck, dude? What? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, I said, I said, oh, great. You know, and so now with, if you combine that with the, the, the current CDC guidance, right. And it's like, okay, well, now all the people who aren't vaccinated are just going to walk around without masks and just exactly and just and, and just say that they did. And I'm like, that's a problem. And then someone pointed out to me, they said, well, no, because those people already weren't wearing masks. Right. It's, it's not like their behavior changed as a result of any of this. It just it, it is what it is. And, you know, and I'm with you. I'm like, honestly, it's it, it, if it makes me a horrible human being, so be it. But. I wish more of the anti the anti-vax and anti-mask people would get it. Like right. I feel like there hasn't been enough of that. I, I'm I'm sorry. I'm very analytical and you know somewhat sociopathic. So it's like I'm totally. It's like this. They are are putting and jeopardizing lives. The more that we can get that out of the gene pool, the better. Right. And so, second of all, it's like I've never seen so many supposedly pro-life politicians work so actively against prolonging life and, 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 and helping uh, prevent death uh, ever in my whole history. It's like, well, no, not in the whole history, in American history. There's some other countries where they were totally uh, pro-death. Uh, but this one is just, it just boggles my mind that they, they say this one thing, but their legislation is actively killing people. And, and it just boggles my mind. And, um, but yeah, I think that it's now incumbent on these people that are not vaccinated and who aren't wearing masks that they're they're asking for what they want. It's like they want to be able to live free. They want to well, then you have to live with the the, the consequences. You know, it's like you want to f around. You got to find out. Well, and I've seen a few different people share in the last week. There's this this thing going around on social media of. Uh, I, I don't know some some county health department I think put it out, but it says you know like if you see someone who's still wearing a mask after the CDC requirements changed, um, you know please remember they they might have an autoimmune disease or they might have high risk loved ones or whatever, and it's this whole list of things and I'm like how about please remember it's none of your damn business. Yeah. Why, why do I need to why do we need to issue guidance for like to tell people to please be kind if they see someone wearing a mask? I'm like. Whether or not someone else is wearing a mask is none of your damn business. Yeah, I, I honestly, I like wearing my mask. It's like uh, out in public. It's like I, 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 it makes me feel better because it's like one, because of the, the safety involved in it. Second of all, it helps me because I get social anxiety sometimes. So it's like, you know, it's like I like being able to like, you know, be somewhat uh, incognito, not incognito. I stand out anywhere I go uh, with the way I dress. But one of the things that gets me the most about it more than anything else is Asian culture. It's like, if I've traveled all over the world, it's like, and I've been in Southeast Asia quite a bit uh, for those who that whole decade. And one of the things that got me was when someone was sick in a, and you saw, you know how to, to tell who a person was sick in a subway or on a street in Shanghai or Tokyo or Singapore, they would be wearing a mask 
not because they were afraid of getting sick or they thought something was because they knew they were possibly contagious and they were trying to protect the community. They were showing social responsibility. Why has social responsibility and caring for our fellow people it's like become so uh, demonized and, and 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 it can't be politicized at all. It's like because it's it's yeah, it it, it boggles my mind. I, I'll start ranting on it, but it's just well, as a Christian and stuff, you know, when the basic tenets is to help one another. And that's one of the things that I'm doing by wearing a mask and getting vaccinated. I'm trying to help for the greater good. Well, and you know, so I, I'm, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm still wearing my mask when I'm, when I'm out and about. Um, and I may just continue. I, yeah. I, I, I sort of, I, I'm sort of in this place of like, I don't see why I need to stop. Um, yeah. and you know, and, and you, when you look at like, yeah, we were all in lockdown and there wasn't, you know, there was, you know, very, very limited interaction between most humans, but cold and flu numbers were like dramatically, you know, minimized as well. And it's like, well, let's keep doing that. Let's, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and you know, there, there, there's always been this sort of like, you know, you, you wake up, you've got a headache, you've got the sniffles, maybe running a low grade fever, but you're like, I'm tough. I'm going to work anyway. And it's yeah. like, how about you don't, how about you just stay home and not yeah. get sick? Yeah. It's, I, I will, uh, it is very, very, I mean, I, I do not foresee myself not wearing a mask uh, for the rest of this year. It's like, I honestly don't. I, I mean, there will be certain situations where I will be with people and I will be more comfortable not wearing a mask uh, and outdoor situations. I've gone outdoor eating. Uh, it's like, and there are certain situations, I mean, it's, it's, but it's taken me a while, but in enclosed spaces and groups of people, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still comfortable wearing the mask. It's like, uh, in other settings, uh, I feel more comfortable not wearing it, uh, because I believe in the science. I believe that it's like, even if I do get, uh, COVID now, uh, it will be like, uh, a normal, uh, sickness that I'll just have to go through and, and get a fever possibly, or feel some aches. It won't be debilitating. It won't be where I lose my sense of smell. It won't be where I could die or be on a ventilator or destroy parts of my lungs. So I am, I'm totally okay with wearing a mask through the rest of this year. Well, and yeah, you've been to far more conferences than I have, and I've been to quite a few. Um, it's a known thing, you know, the, the, the conference flu, it's a, you know, conflu, you, conflu is real. <laughs> right. I mean, you, 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 you go to, uh, you know, San Francisco or Las Vegas, you hang out with, uh, you know, 20 to 50,000 of your closest friends from around the world. Viruses are going to spread. Things are, <laughs> yes. things are going to be transferred. And so it's like, it really, really makes sense. Like if you're at RSA or black hat, like, please, by all means, wear the mask. Yep. So, all right. Well, um, I want to kind of wind things up there, uh, but uh, I, I really want to, you know, thank you for taking the time to join me. Uh, I think it was a, a fun conversation. You know, you've been you've been here in in Texas for a while, but like I said, I haven't seen you since Houston Security Conference a while back. Right. Um, you know, so you have to try and get together sometime as the as the state opens back up. But uh, if nothing else, um, you know, like I said, ninety nine percent chance that uh, I'll be in Vegas for Black Hat and uh, awesome. Meet up there. I will virtually social 
awkward distance hug you uh, huh, when you get there. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you. Right. See ya. I appreciate you investing your time to listen to the podcast, but I also invite you to engage on social media. Uh, please go like our Facebook page and follow at Techspective on Twitter and Instagram. You can feel free to let me know what you like, let me know what you don't like, let me know if you love it, let me know if it sucks, and uh, let me know what products you'd like to see reviewed or what uh, questions you'd like to see answered in future posts.